When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, presented by DraftKings. Make sure you use the code CHGO when you sign up. If you're watching here on uh, YouTube, you'll see the graphic says statements made. Uh, and I really felt like the whole team, coaches, players, quarterback, we're all making a positive statement. Um, you know, about three quarters into this game. And then when the game was over, some statements were good and some statements were bad. And that's what we're going to cover here tonight here with Corey Wooten, as always here on Monday nights, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm going to let you call the shots here, Corey. I'm going to leave the floor to you. Where do you want to start? The good, the bad, or the ugly? Let's, let's start uh, with the good first, right? Let's, let's start this off on a positive note. Uh, I thought the defense started the game first three quarters, really playing pretty lights out, you know, uh, being able to stop the run for the most part, having turnovers, what was it? Three interceptions in the, in the first half of the game, I believe. Right. It was three, three interceptions. Yeah. And then um, four, four on the day, four turnovers, yeah, four turnovers total. Jalen Johnson should have had that pick six. Oh, nobody was there. It was him versus Jared Goff to beat it. Um, but they, they really had a really good plan, right? The only, the only negative about that was the lack of pressure at times. Right, but we saw Sweat come home and absolutely slam Jared Goff. That was awesome to see the big man yep. react off the boot, get up to the level. He's like as big as you, Corey. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about all that because my biceps, you know, I'm rolling on 23. <laughs> and I ain't talking about rims, all right? They're bragging. No, no he's, he's, he's a big dude, uh, 6'6, you know, 260, great length. Um, so we're, we're seeing him start to make an impact out there, which is huge. Obviously, in the offseason, we got to build around him, opposite him. But we saw an impact there. Tyreek Stevenson early on looked awesome, right? He was Every game he's been improving, he's been getting better. Uh, he's very aggressive, and I, and I think, you know, he, he likes to put his head in there. He start he, on special teams, too, gets the ball out as well. So we, we saw him make an impact there. So it was great to see the defense have turnovers. Anytime you can have four turnovers in a game, I want to say the percentages are like 98% of the time you probably win that game when right. you win the turnover battle four to one. Um, it's just unfortunate that we, that we didn't see the, the bears win. And, yeah. but offensively, before, but before you turn over to the other yeah. side of the ball, I would, I am curious to hear your thoughts on Jervon Dexter, who I thought flashed a few times in this game. Yeah. I, I think, I think what we see is in flash, right? The, the biggest thing is still pad level is still the get off at times not completely trusting the scheme. And that's what you see across the board. A lot of people sometimes aren't getting off the football. And that's why you're seeing in this Tampa, it's all about the get off. So hopefully we can continue to see him improve and grow. Um, he's a talented guy. He has all the strength. He has all the athleticism, the quickness. It takes a while to get rid of some of these habits. And, and that's why when, when we drafted him, everyone's like, oh, man, you're so down on this kid. I'm not down on him by any means. I thought he was a project, and that's exactly what we've seen this year, right? He wasn't ready to go day one. He still isn't, right? But I think it, it's a work in progress. Hopefully going into this offseason from year one to year two, you see tremendous growth. So that's what I'm hoping from him. And if I were him, my advice would be this offseason, go to a pass rush specialist, go to a D-line specialist in the offseason when you're not around the team and work on your get off, work on your hands, work on your pad level. That would be the biggest thing because sometimes people, you know, when they're in college, you can get away with certain things and not being able to use your hands as well because you're bigger, stronger, faster. At this level, it's, it's not the first move. It's the second and third moves to get home. You look at guys like TJ Watt, why they're so successful sometimes. Yes, he has great rushes at times, but a lot of these sacks are second, third moves, effort. You look at a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, right? 
consistent effort to the ball at all times. That's what keeps him around. That's what keeps him, you know, a- able to have sacks in games. So um, I'm, I'm looking just just to get some constant improvement from Dexter. Um, so, yeah, I, I like what I see so far, but still the pad level and the get off. Those, those are my two knocks on him. Yeah. And before we move over to the offensive side of the positivity, Herb Howard in the chat, our guy here who joins us every Monday night from it's the bigs as well, uh, doing a great job covering the bears. He, he want he said on the show today that he thinks that I should be drunk for these shows or maybe not drunk, at least drinking Corey. Yeah. You think that would help me? Do you think I should do this? Yeah. Why not? Braggs? You know what I mean? You <laughs> want you boil her down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> well you know what to placate to placate you and her Howard, who you know is challenging me he's like oh he's got his bottle over there and you don't even drink out of it i'm gonna take a rip why, for why, you. Why, why don't you just take a swig of that from the bottle you want me to i would yeah, that's literally there, what i was that's literally what i was about to do yo shout, this shout is what, out to carm this is this, this is how we start out monday night is, with a couple cockies right there's, here's to carm oh, oh, oh. here's to carm and his cockies were officially lit here on bears after dark <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking about a part hey after this there third is, game Herb. everybody was drinking after that i'll tell you that Woo. To, to to lose that game i know a lot of people after oh that, man it was as bitter as my more. face after taking that rip i mean oh yeah I I, I I i don't understand it Corey, because i shouldn't be surprised and yet i was still stunned i was stunned just how well they played for about three quarters three quarters they played pretty consistent football we saw the defense get turnovers get stops get off the field we saw the offense move and and let's get into the offense a little bit right so justin fields comes out and what i love what he did is the decisiveness one two it's not there tuck it and go there was no holding the ball he had one time where he held the ball right where he took that sack that was the only time we really saw him hold the ball. So there was some growth there. I think him sitting on the sidelines, seeing how Beijing gets the ball out nice and quick. He's kind of like, hey, I got to speed up this clock. Because the biggest thing I thought holding him back in some of the games this season was him staying in the pocket and like almost proving that he has to be this pocket passer. Mm-hmm. No, but what separates him is his feet. And that's what we saw. Detroit, Detroit couldn't handle him early on in the first half. They had no answer for him. One, two, tuck it and go, 10, eight, you know, 12 yards, scramble for a first down. The zone reads early on. Awesome. You know, the one pass he missed in the first half to DJ Moore, but then he rallied back, had that had that nice touchdown. And then what would have sealed the game is he put the ball right on the money to Tyler Scott. Tyler Scott kind of turned awkwardly and stopped a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Think about that, right? If he if he stays in stride, he put that ball right on the money. That that's where you got to put it every time. That would have sealed the game. Game would have been over. You'd have ran the clock out. Chicago Bears win. Um, it's a game of inches, Rags. It is. Well, and, or, and Matt and Matt Bowen, Matt Bowen on Twitter, who's covered the Bears for a long time, he pointed out like because some people are saying, Oh, there's DJ Moore coming across the middle in the mesh. Uh, mm-hmm. the mesh going across the middle, and he's open. There's a safety coming down on him, cutting off that route. And it would have been a one-on-one where DJ could have potentially made that guy miss, but Tyler Scott had his man beat. He was over the cornerback and the, the, the other safety has a long way to go to come over to him. And Justin Fields made the right read. It's just Tyler Scott couldn't get under the football throttled down, you know, stutter stepped a, a bit. You know, and, and you know, that's tough because they're still working on that connection between him and Justin Fields. I, you know, Tyler Scott had a rough day because he also fumbled the football, but Justin Fields made the right throw. And yeah. everything you've been talking about here on this show, and I read the comments section after every one of our shows. I, I'm obsessed about <laughs> what the fans are saying in the chat. I'm obsessed about, you know, the feedback we get on the shows. I want to make sure I'm doing yeah. a good job for everybody. And I saw a lot of fans coming at you about your belief in Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. And even I, at times who I've made no bones about it. I'm looking at the draft. I'm looking at our options. Are we going to move on? I don't know if Justin's time is going to be here, if it's going to be somewhere else. Um, And I had a lot of questions and I was shocked as well as I could not believe that he played as well as he did in Detroit after being off for 35 days and an injured hand. 
So, you know, for all the heat you've gotten in these comments, (laughs) I I thought you and a lot of other people that have been talking about his potential, I thought yesterday was your day. I I predicted it that he was going to have a really good game because think about this, right? His his back is against the wall at this point, right? A lot of fans don't believe in him. He doesn't even know if the franchise itself believes in him, Ryan Poles and company. So he's playing for his livelihood, right? Not only for the Bears, but a potential another team, you know, depending on what situation and how things play out. Um, I He can play. I, I just don't understand why people don't think he could play. When, when he, people look at the stats and they say 169 yards, you know, 16 of 21. Uh, but But the thing is, the impact that he had out there, was unbelievable. The throws that he made with the exception of that DJ Moore, and it happens. People overthrow people, people underthrow people. He is a good player. The thing is, the Bears have done him a disservice, just like they've done with Beijing at times. So Lou gets he's been so up and down. And my thing is like this. They were talking about the coaching staff. We need to see from Justin Fields. So when the game's on the line, he's supposed to be, is he the guy or is he not the guy? And then you take the ball out of his hands when the game's right. on the line, right? Yep. There's, there's, there's no boots. There's no options of him to run or pass. You, you toss left, sweep right. I, I just don't understand that. I, I really don't. Because the, the main difference, what separates Justin Fields from any other quarterback out there is his ability to use his feet. And he showed. He had over 104 yards. Detroit had no answer for him when he scrambled um, towards, towards the uh, third quarter. They had an answer for that mesh, and I just didn't understand why Luke Getzey was still going towards that mesh, right? We didn't see any screens or draws off that. Think think about that, right? They did a mesh play with the screen off that. That's to, that's, that's to the crib right there because they're, right. they're bringing everybody at that mesh. They should have done some things off it, and I think that's where Luke Getzey, he's been so up and down because he called a good game up to a certain point. Detroit made their adjustments, and what do you need to do as a, as a play caller? You have to make your adjustments off that. And that's something that Luke Getzey hasn't been able to do all year. But Braggs, I feel confident in Justin Fields to be the quarterback of the future. I, I do. He has he has all the talent in the world. He proved that he can make plays. He, he proved that he could not turn the ball over. And listen, people are going to say at the end of the game that sack fumble, Darnell Wright got beat. Simple as that. Like, it happens. Um, hit the ball out. It, it, it's a tough play. It's a bang-bang play. Um, yeah, maybe could he stepped up a little bit more? In the pocket, yeah, it, it, it's a tough situation. So I thought he played a great game. They shouldn't even been in that situation because earlier on in the first couple of drives before that, they should have put the ball in Justin Fields' hands. Even if you're doing, even if you're doing drop back, the how decisive he was. I felt confident if it's not there, he was going to scramble and get some yards and put yourself in second and manageable, third and manageable, and then all of a sudden you're able to convert first downs. And that's what he was doing all game. So I just didn't understand why they got away from that. That that was that kind of uh, made me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah, Chubbs, my guy here in the chat, uh, who's definitely he's he's not you know he's a diehard fan and and wears his heart on his sleeve, but you know is always pretty balanced. You know, even if he is somewhat of a homer like me, but he can stay balanced. He says, "I'll say this: we should not draft a quarterback. We should keep Justin as the quarterback." Uh, a Justin, a quarterback will be just a waste. Drafting a quarterback will just be a wasted draft pick when we could get a blue tripper in two position groups of need. And so like, for me, that's the best case scenario is that Justin Fields proves out here the rest of the year. He's their guy, at least for the next two years, you pick up his fifth year option. You try to get him to the next level that, you know, we were all hoping he could get to this year and, and quite frankly can still get to, if you look at the three of his last four games, the Minnesota game has been rough, but you know, the three of his last four games being Denver, Washington, Minnesota, and now this game, he's been dynamic in three of those four games. There's no really other way to put it. The, this, and, and to your point, this is the report that came out from Ian Rappaport in the morning before the game. And Ryan Poles also spoke with ESPN 1000 before the game. And that's the thing I took exception to leading into the game was Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles being so open about what Justin Fields needs to do better. What his, how he has to prove his consistency to them when they themselves have flaws on their resume. 
they act like Justin Fields is the only person here with warts. Maybe they're not, but I just, something rubbed me the wrong way about how open and direct they were being through the media about what Justin Fields needed to show them when they have things they need to show, not just are the fans and the team, but Justin too, whose resume has been completely tarnished. He has fans questioning his ability. And I'm sure in Justin's mind, he's like, you guys have, have ruined my reputation. And I don't think that would be unfair for him to feel that way. Even if there are things he can get better at personally, this was the report that came from Ian Rappaport the morning of before the game started against Detroit. What does Justin Fields need to show in order to remain Chicago's QB one sources, AKA Ryan Poles, in my opinion, offered insight into the decision, noting that this year's roster is stronger and more developed than last year's. In other words, it prevents the opportunity for a much fairer evaluation of fields. Here's what the organization wants to see. Is this a QB who can win multiple championships? Can he be consistent enough, especially in the key moments like red zone and two minute offense? Can he execute with the game on the line? Can he avoid turning the ball over and keep drives going? The can he execute with the game on the line is the one that stands out the most. Cause like you said, Corey and Adam Hogue also pointed it out. And I was railing against it on the post game. You took the ball out of his hands in the final drive, the final two drives where you had an opportunity to find that answer out. But when you run it on third and seven on the second to last drive, when you do run, run pass on the final drive, you're taking that decision out of his hands and you can't even find out that answer. They played the game scared the coaching staff. They, they play, they played like some baby back. You know, what's honestly, <laughs> it, it, when, whenever you play, whenever you play conservative, it bite, it bites you in the ass. It does. It does. And let me, let me bring this up. Right. Russell Wilson last year when he has Nathaniel Hackett, right? <laughs> look, look how much he struggled last year. Everyone's like, who is this guy that, was winning Super Bowls, that was MVP candidate, that was a pro bowler, that had that had a signature shoe. Who was this guy? And then all of a sudden this year, hey, they, they start out with not the best record. But you look at his stats this year, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions. Last year was 16 and 11. Sean Payton comes in. And, hey, it wasn't pretty early on, but they figured everything out as a team. He's playing at a better level. They just beat the Chiefs recently. They are playing at a great level right now, and the right. coaching does matter. So anybody that just says this, that, and the other, it doesn't matter what quarterback would be in the system. They would be struggling because when the game's on the line, you have your best playmaker in Justin Fields that Detroit doesn't have an answer. If he just drops back and takes what the defense gives him, he'll scramble for 10 every time. They yeah. have no answer for that, Rags. So I just didn't understand why you why you tell Justin Fields you say hey we're gonna we're gonna call this pass play if it's not there tuck it and go and that was what he was doing all game so yep. they're saying this that and the other in the media but then you're contradicting yourself I don't understand why you play scared when your best playmaker they they were probably relieved at the play calling that the Bears had they're probably like, oh no. Thank God we didn't have to worry about right. <laughs> you know, Justin You're Fields. You're 100 percent right. <laughs> You're 100 percent right. He's been running all over him. And you do two two runs right up the middle in stacked boxes, and they're relieved. You have three tight ends in. You they know what you're running. They know what you're running. And and, and you played yeah. right into their you, hands. You, you you get him on the move, right? A boot, a sprint out, and you give him the option one-on-one on the end. How many times in this game when he was one-on-one on the defensive end? struggled the defensive end could not touch him even even if he cut him off he juked him up Whoop! like chris berman used to say right come on justin fields one-on-one at defensive end good luck chuck even even aiden hutchinson him one-on-one he's gonna shake him so you give you give your best player the option to be able to do that one-on-one on the defensive end a guy guys that are great athletes but but can't hang with justin fields come on no. that's why i just didn't understand that look at how many times he was on the edge he had the option to run or pass, right? He's faking like he's going to run it all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, fake like he's going to pass it, run it. So you give him the option. You give your best playmaker. Why not do more of that on, on the on the goal line when we're in those situations? Right. Right? They got yep. bailed out a little bit because of the penalty on Detroit. But 
they're, they're calling that that pass play. I think it was in the second series. And I'm like, run the football. So I think Luke Getzey overcomplicates stuff. And they're just doing him a disservice because that game should have been won. It should have never got down to that final drive where you have 29 seconds left and you have to drive down, you know, 50 yards and get in the field goal range. It's, the game should have been done yep. early on. Well, we have a special guest joining us. He's gracing us with his presence for Carm? the first time <laughs> here on Bears After Dark this season. And he said he's oh. missing you, Corey Wooten. Adam Hogue there we go. joins us. <laughs> Hollywood Hogue from his mansion. Woo. How we doing, Adam? It, this is the uh, Brags in the Stands Network Purdue postgame show, correct? <laughs> I, Matt Painter. Like, Matt Painter. I'm just calling in to uh, talk about the big win over Gonzaga. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was, you know, I, it, it's such a good win. It's going to prepare us for the first round of the tournament to lose to a 16 seed again. <laughs> Oh, okay. Really okay. excited. Yeah. No. It, yeah. Uh, Purdue beats Gonzaga here, the Maui Invitational. So yes, anybody wants to call in with their questions, I'm happy to take those. <laughs> but Adam said today on the show that he's missed you and that I've kidnapped you, Corey. And, yeah. and they, you got, they haven't been able to talk to you. So I, I extended the invite here a little bit. And exactly. on short notice, he comes yeah. running on. That's how much he misses you. What, so I, up, I'm going to go backstage you doing, so you two can catch. Well, you'd have to do that. I don't exactly. know. No, it's, it's, be it's better with him out of there. Get him out of there, he right? Just like we say in Jersey. Okay. This guy out of here, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much for brags after dark. We got Hogan Woot after dark now. Exactly. Now we're no, talking. Now in we're talking. all seriousness, so uh, first of all, Braggs, get your butt back in here. And uh, Corey, it's, yeah, it's been a little weird this year. I've, I've missed talking football with you. There hasn't been enough of it. So yeah, I wanted I want to jump in here t tonight, and uh, I, I was actually just getting done watching uh, some of the offensive film, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting because it, I I know people want to hear this, but I actually saw a couple more uh, Justin Fields misses in there than I originally thought, um, and I still keep coming back to this the topic that you guys were just talking about though, like why they didn't let him finish the game, and I and I said this. I hinted at it after the game yesterday. I talked about it earlier today on the show too, because my gut is just telling me, and now I feel like it's confirmed now that I've really looked at the all 22, that sack he took on second down, the play before the 29 yard scramble where he did his little shimmy. That was awesome. I originally, I was like, oh yeah, the check down open and he's got to hit that. Definitely still the case. What I didn't realize until I just watched the all 22 woot, he had DJ Moore open too beyond the sticks for an easy first down completion. Instead, he takes a sack. So there's a you know 98% of this game from Justin Fields was outstanding, exactly what you want to see, checking all those boxes that Braggs was just listing off. And but right there in a key moment, he reverts back to the version of Justin Fields, I think this coaching staff is struggling to trust at times and he mm -hmm. takes that sack there. So yes, he scrambles, does his thing, gets the first down, but then I just feel like they got so conservative probably because of that sack. He just taken a couple of plays before because they knew cannot take a negative play in this situation. Just can't do it. And it said, they don't let him throw the ball. And that's to me though, that's unfair to the evaluation. You still have to let him he's allowed one sack a game, right? Like that's exactly. on the quarterback. If, if he plays that well, the entire time, you should still let him have the ball in his hands late. Um, and to me, that shot play to Tyler Scott at the end really wasn't enough of that, that by then it felt like desperation because they had no choice. They had to throw it there. Exactly. No, I, I agree with you on that, but yeah, my thing was only one play and from the beginning of the game, he would go through his progressions when it wasn't there. He, he tuck it and ran. And that's what I love, the decisiveness mm -hmm. from him. And what we saw was when he got on the move, like he had a – he had a uh, he's scrambling out to his left, and he threw it – he threw a rocket. Uh, so I think DJ Moore crossed his body. And for me, most of his throws during that game, with the exception of the, the miss to DJ Moore, were on the money, man. He looked really good. He looked efficient. He had rhythm. He looked confident. And this is the Justin Fields that we all knew, knew he could do what he can do. But the thing is, like we talked about, when the game was on the line, oh, how many times when they just dropped back and you got him on the move a little bit, when he had that option to run, that, that's why I just didn't understand why they didn't allow him 
the one-on-one option on a defensive end on getting on the edge because he was he was making Detroit have to pick okay are you gonna come up oh you come up throw it right by you if you stay back I'm gonna run so I just didn't understand why they didn't give him that option because that's an option where you he feels comfortable with you should feel comfortable with that as well so I just kind of didn't understand why they didn't get him on the move with the option to run or pass because I think that's what he was doing best all game and when you try to keep him in the pocket sometimes like that one play that's when he took the sack so I'm just kind of scratching my head a little bit, especially when they were talking about the evaluation. We need to see this from him. We need to see him close the game. The game should have been done if they would have just done that, right? Yeah. And, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, I I, I, I was saying that post game is some of the I, – I just think there's high percentage plays you could have run there. Yes, you don't want incompletions, and you don't want the clock to stop by going out of bounds. But if you go back to some of those plays the Bears ran, especially in the first quarter, especially on those first couple drives, where they're getting Justin on the move, where he's basically got a one-on-one, where you're talking about right there, a conflict defender who either has to stay with, let's say it's just Cole Komet. Like, let's say, because the way they had him bunched in with nine guys on the box, um, it was, you know, Cole Komet's nubbed to the end, which basically means there's no wide receiver to his outside. And there's basically a corner on him there. Like, you can sneak him out in the flat, put Justin even with, like, a the zone read. You can still run the zone read, but have Justin keep it and go to the outside. And even if that read defender comes with him, you know, I still like his chances to be out, outrun that guy, either throw it, to Cole, what's going to be a high percentage completion. So the clock keeps moving, or let's say it just doesn't work. And let's say worst case scenario, he only picks up one or two yards. Okay. That's fine. Like you, you still have the clock moving and it's to me, that's just a better option than the running plays just going running straight up in the middle into a nine man box. Yeah. I didn't understand that. A lot of toss sweeps back to back, a lot of gun runs. And my thing is like this, I, as a former defender, you love when teams are gun running on third and short, second and short. Those are so easy to defend because because the running back goes sideways to then go forward. Why not get an eye formation set, Blazing game, Mercedes Lewis, Cole Komet, and run downhill? Because you, you know the way Foreman was running, Roshan Johnson, you know they're going to get a couple yards just falling forward. That's what kind of makes me scratch my head and get back to the Matt Nagy days where you're third and one, fourth and one, third and three, and then you're running, you're running toss plays, you're running sideways running plays. So I just, I kind of didn't understand that, but this game should have, should have been done. They played, they played well defensively. Offense got way too conservative the past couple of drives, and they shouldn't even been in a situation where you're 29 seconds left in the game and, and down and having to drive 50 plus yards to get a field goal. I, I meant to look this up today and I, didn't but i'm just kind of glancing over the the play-by-play here and i think it's pretty obvious that they were i mean we're, we're they must have run 80 80 plus percent plays in shotgun if not more just and that's just me glancing at this thing right here but even in the fourth quarter uh under center shotgun under center shotgun 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 under center shotgun shotgun field goal Last series, shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. So I think that goes back to probably the thumb. Yep. You know, it, it, I think we we know he wasn't 100%. So I think that they were probably limiting those under center snaps. That so I, At least I hope that's their reasoning because otherwise it's just way too much. Exactly. And, and uh, you, you got you to think about it. Um, you know, as a, as a defensive end, whenever they're in the gun, you can tell run pass all day, right? If the, if the back is a little bit back, and the offensive linemen, they they can't disguise their stances, right? If it's a true pass, they have that they have that kick leg back. So I think it tips off the run pass. That's why I hate it. I always liked, or I, as a defender, I hated playing an I formation like back when San Francisco was rocking with uh, Jim Harbaugh and company. They disguised that play action so well. They ran the football well, and then all of a sudden, those offensive linemen, you know, when you're in a five technique as an as an end. They go and they latch on to you real quick. And then all of a sudden it buys that that quarterback some more time. So that's why I always liked, you know, the run and then the play action off I formation. I think it's so much harder for defenses to differentiate the two. And it just gives your offensive line that much of a chance. So I just I just didn't understand that. Well, and, and one play at the like 
I just one thing like at the beginning of the game when they ran that power, I don't know how you guys probably explain like power sweep or whatever with Justin Fields mm-hmm. and you have two lead blockers in front of him. That's the that's the kind of innovation. That's the kind of like outside the box kind of running I want to see in that kind of situation. Keep the ball in your best player's hand, Justin Fields, but an opportunity there where you can get a good matchup, you know, on the edge and get blockers in front of him. So to your point, to be in gun, to not have a full back there, to give yourself an opportunity to get some blockers ahead of them doesn't make much sense. And then somebody brought it up in the chat too, running inside zone with Khalil Herbert instead of Roshan Johnson, who was playing physical in the second half. You know, you don't have Deontay Foreman. Uh, he got hurt and he's really been, you know, doing a good job finishing some of these wins they've had lately. And you have Roshan Johnson running physical. Instead, you go to Khalil Herbert, who I've got a lot of respect for, but he's there, you know, he's their change of pace back. You put your power back in a power situation. If you want to have like this attitude finish drive where you're going to get your first down, you know, through this war of attrition and run the ball, even though they know you're running it, then use your power back to do that. Yeah. When, when it comes to the running game, um, I, I feel like uh stretch zone inside zone are, are sometimes the easiest plays as a defender to, to defend because if you get any penetration there's no double teams when you talk about teams that run like downhill powers you know the combo blocks at the point of attack those are the toughest to defend right because you have two blockers on one you're going up to the next level it's a lot easier to secure that when you're doing stretch zones there's a lot of holes and gaps that can open up because if anybody gets pe- penetration in there it kills it so that's why I'm just wondering on those short situations why they would do a stretch zone, right? You're opening yourself up. If anyone gets beat, it's done. That way, when you have the combo blocks, things are tighter. You're going downhill. You're going with a fullback. I think it just makes so much more sense when you talk about efficiency on second and short, third and short situations. One, one of the, You brought up that, that power sweep they ran with fields early on. What was so cool about that, I thought, was on that same drive later on, they ran the exact same motion and everything it was like exactly the same play but justin faked like he was going that way and then he spun around and went the other way and threw a pass instead so like that's that's what you want to see offensively plays on plays um now again we're talking first 15 script mm-hmm. and it gets harder once defenses adjust and you can't come back to that later but we saw that a few times like even the the missed touchdown to dj Moore down the field like they came back to it later in the game and and that time justin hit it so um, you know, I thought there were some good things. I, one thing I'm noticing though, watching the film Woot, is they're missing, you know, between having to trade Claypool and not being able to have Valus Jones active because he just really can't play. Um, they're missing one more key blocking wide receiver on some of these runs to the outside. Like what you're talking exactly. about. Um, there was a late run where I think Roshan Johnson probably scores a touchdown. Um, and he actually did a great job fighting and still got the first down, but Tyler Scott goes to block a safety who's running away across the play because he's in man coverage and they're putting Cole Komet in motion to that side. So he's running with Cole, which is basically taking care of that guy. You don't need to block that guy anymore. Go block the corner who's lined up over you. And, you know, he's a rookie. He's not used to blocking, I'm I'm not trying to be too harsh on Tyler Scott for that's an experience type thing, but you got to adjust and block the corner rather than your, your, probably his assignment was to go get the safety. Uh, And if he does that, Roshan Johnson is gone, but you know, that's an inexperienced player who's not used to blocking and he doesn't make that adjustment. Said the corner tackles him. Uh, So that was a big missed opportunity. I thought, but, you know, if you have a more experienced wide receiver, a bigger wide receiver who's used to blocking in those situations, uh, maybe that happens. I just, it feels like with, you know, some of the adjustments they've had to make to their wide receiver room here, uh, they're, they're just, Tyler Scott, I still kind of like his potential. I'd like the pick, but he's a little in over his head, I feel like right now. And you saw it on that, you know, the way he adjusted that football too on that deep ball. You're seeing it with the block. There was another one where he had to like chip Aiden Hutchinson Remember now, now they didn't need to line him up as a fullback a couple weeks ago. That was ridiculous. Um, but some of these other things, it's like, yeah, you just got to go out and do it, man. You're in the NFL and I don't care if that guy's way bigger. I'm just picturing like 
me trying to chip Corey Wooten and how that how that <laughs> okay. would go. Like it wouldn't go yeah. well. You just got to get in the way. That, that's the biggest thing. Remember when quarterbacks used to be on the backside of a reverse and they just try to get in the way. You know, sometimes they get destroyed. They try to cut them. You just have to get in the way of the defender. That's all you have to do at that point. We're not expecting you to pancake them or, or throw them to the ground. None of that. You just got to get in the way. Yeah. Well, and Tyler Scott on the in the Saints game, when Cole Komet had the touchdown, Tyler Scott was blocking a defensive end on the edge, and he actually stood him up. But to yeah. continue to ask him to do that is a tall order for a small guy. All due respect but, to Tyler Scott. How about Claypool when he was playing? The dude is the biggest dude I've seen. He looks yeah. like a defensive end and getting driven back by, you know, 5'9", 180 pound. Like, blocking you just want to. That, that's really yeah. what is. And he didn't want to do it. Yeah. No. He, and and, and he, by the way, I, I'm not, Tyler Scott, I think, wants to. I, he's he just, just small. Know. Yeah, right. exactly. Well, and Darnell and, Mooney is a small guy, but puts a lot of effort into his blocking, and maybe that's a level he can eventually reach once he gets the experience. Exactly. You realize real quick because they'll put that they'll put that play on in front of everyone. They'll say, "This is the difference in a touchdown and not just like Hulk said." So they probably break it down. If you get this guy, all of a sudden Roshan's able to take that to the house. So it, in due time, but Tyler Scott was a dynamic receiver in college. They didn't care about him blocking. They were like, right. you catch touchdown passes and you take it to the crib. So it, it is an adjustment. It's just like when when talented players like him or anybody else, they get asked to do special teams. They have no clue. It's like when I first got in the Bears, I never played special teams in my life. I had to play punt return. I had to play kickoff, kickoff return. Like, you got to do whatever you can to be on the field and make the team. So all that stuff goes out the window, stuff you don't want to do – Hey, the thing is, those game checks hit pretty good. So you got to do whatever it takes <laughs> to get on the field. Yep. Well, we're going to let Adam Ho get back to hanging out at his house and his, with his beautiful family. Monday Night Football on Chiefs up 7 nothing. Uh, But I wanted to let Adam pop in here so he can say hi to Corey. Good seeing I've, you, my man. <laughs> since I've kidnapped you, Corey. And we'll see, Adam. If you behave, I'll let you talk to him again this year. I was going to say, uh, th- Corey, always good talking football with you. Braggs, thank you so much for letting me be here. I, I, I really appreciate that. I'm going to go put my kids to bed now. There you go. Have a good night. Thank you for your insight. Adam Hogue, ladies and gentlemen, here on CHGO Bears After Dark. And we appreciate his knowledge here, uh, bringing it to the table, talking some ball here with Woot. Um, hey man, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, there's so much to be thankful for Corey family, friends, food, and NFL football all week long. That's certainly something to be grateful for coming up here Thursday with three NFL games. DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping your Thanksgiving week full of action. New customers can bet just five bucks on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. No matter your appetite, there's something for you. Money lines, parlays, props, live bets, and so much more. You name it, they've got it. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use this code CHGO. New customers can bet five on the NFL Thanksgiving action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. So make sure you're hitting up DraftKings and using the code CHGO for Thanksgiving football with DraftKings. Um, yeah, I've been telling people, Corey, that I think Thanksgiving is overrated. I think that the food is trash. I don't. And everybody always goes to, well, you, you, you just don't know how to cook it. And people that cook it for you suck at cooking. And I just think that everything is all soft and mushy food. 
It's a bunch of bland food, cranberry sauce and yams and ham and turkey sucks too. You know, the first bite of turkey is always good, but then by the 10th bite, it sucks. So what do you, what do you say about Thanksgiving? Are you on my side of things? Cause I feel like I'm on an Island here and it's not meatball. Maybe it is meatball Island, but I, I just am not a Thanksgiving guy. Tur- Turkey Island over here, this guy. Um, I, I love Thanksgiving. I think, I think it's a great family holiday, right? Well, what, well yeah, it's a great family holiday and football's great, but the food does the food <laughs> suck, Corey. Think you went no. right to family. That's how I know, you know, the food sucks. The food does not suck. Who is cooking your food? That's what I'm trying to figure out. My because... mother is is cooking my food. She was in the chat so you, earlier. So now you're so, gonna say my mom's now you're gonna say sweet Barbara's food. You, cooking you're the one sucks. that said That's the food sucks. Said. Did you not say? Can we play it back? Gary, Gary, <laughs> can we get can we get to play it back? What he said. He said the food sucks. You said that. Gary, I know like, Gary will, will she can cook it to perfection. The food still sucks. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just so not you good you food. Don't, you don't like ham. You don't like mac and cheese, uh, sweet potato casserole. Stuff mac like, you and don't. cheese does not count as Thanksgiving food. You can eat mac and cheese any any day of the it doesn't year. Doesn't count as Thanksgiving. Cornbread. Yeah. You don't like. The- uh, I mean, it's it's all fine, but it's not. Well, you said it sucks. Now you're now you're backtracking. Cornbread's fine. You know, stuffing's okay. Turkey sucks. Yams suck. Oh, Cranberries suck. We got a, a flip flopper over here. Uh, all these stupid casseroles, green bean casserole, corn casserole, all this crap. It sucks. It looks nice when you walk up to the table, all these different colors, all these different plates. You're like, let's mow. I'm excited. You know, and I've been drinking all day. I'm going to eat all this food. And then you eat it and you're like, this is terrible. I would rather have a steak. I always, I'd rather have prime rib on Thanksgiving. No, prime rib would be good, but I like ham. Ham, you put Ham's- the brown sugar on there, you know. Oh man, like I, who cooking your who's cooking your ham? Who's cooking it? Come on, man. No, no, a T in the chat. Bragg's using his platform to put his mom on. You did flat. shake my head. Everyone heard it. Everyone heard it. Can we get a <laughs> thumbs up? Because Bra- Bragg said his mother's cooking sucks. <laughs> I didn't say it. You said it. So you you <laughs> you got a lot of explaining you know, to do, just, Bragg. Well, and I'm mad at my mom too because. She she just had knee replacement surgery. So we've been doing Thanksgiving at my house here these last few years. I'm not mad at her about the knee surgery, Corey. What I'm mad about is now we don't get to have Thanksgiving at my house. I got to go all the way out to my old house that I grew up in and have Thanksgiving there. It's not far. It's just not as far. I got to set up here for football and everything else. And now I got to go to her her boring house and eat crappy food and and help oh, her shuffle around the house because she okay, just had so her me. food is crappy huh <laughs> and then and then and then she's disabled right now because she's recovering from a knee injury so bro you're just you're digging yourself a grave bro you, you're getting at, getting getting at your mom for being crippled right now with her with her knee surgery yeah telling well, her her food inc- sucks it's, it's and then hold on hold on you're, you're not wanting to go a close distance to make things easier for your mother who just had knee surgery well, Some son is. you are. Yeah, I'm talking well, about Bragg's in the stands lives in a box, man. Bragg's in a box. Bragg's in a box. Well, Bro, it is, I, I've never, heard, I've never heard something that selfish, but oh my God. <laughs> oh, she knows I love her. All right. Let's get back to football. Thought I'd have some fun with you with some Thanksgiving talk. I'll, I'll be oh, yeah. um, triggering more people with my Thanksgiving takes on Twitter. So just stay yeah. tuned for that, but let's move back here to the football. We talked a lot about fields. I am mm-hmm. certainly encouraged if we're, going to put a stamp on you know the field's discussion here for uh, not I mean, playing for not playing for what three four 35 weeks? it was 35 days since the last from the last time he played to sunday against detroit 35 days yeah. off and he came out and he looked phenomenal and i i've kind of put it like all right they want to challenge justin fields and say he's got to show this that and the other well guess what one that he has seven games at seven steps step one check and yep. next week's on monday night football prime time stage there's going to be a big build up to the game they'll do you know pre-game shows on all the major networks we'll be doing our pre-game show here on chgo sports and everybody's going to be talking about the coaches and the quarterback and everything you can't hide from the prime time lights and what i liked about the coaches calling out justin fields and saying hey you got to do this that and the other and be more consistent. Well, 
guess what? Justin showed when we, the, 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 the name of this show was statements made. Well, guess what? Just Justin Fields made a statement in the positive direction. The coaches made a statement that says that they should be the ones that are replaced, not Justin Fields. And so that's one game. I'm, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but I'm certainly encouraged and excited for what Justin Fields showed. And if he does this the rest of the year and can stay healthy, which I think is a big variable in this knock on wood. And guess what, Corey, the things you've been talking about, the trenches, keep Justin Fields draft Marvin Harrison jr. Maybe, I don't know if you're still down with that. Hey, I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and I can, I can buy that formula, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to let the rest of the year play out and I'm rooting for these guys to um, prove you right in a lot of ways. I don't know why I'm always fighting you, Corey. I should just listen. Yeah. Can, can you, can you imagine? Because we we can both agree. And I think everybody that's watching right now, staff's probably not going to be here next year. Right. We, I think we can all agree on that. Right. No. Yes. Say that again. We can all agree that the staff is not going to be here next year. Right. I, I, I can't guarantee that. I mean, just like I'm not ruling anything out with Justin, no, but, but I'm but I'm just saying I have a hard time believing that he's going to keep this same staff. If if because the thing the thing it comes down to, look look at the Denver loss, look at this Detroit loss. That's as bad as it gets when you have the game on lock and you can't finish it because of coaching, especially right. in this past game. So the thing is, if Poles wants to keep his job, do you think if they continue to lose games like this? Well, no. If players, they continue to yeah. lose games like this, no. There's no way. Well, they, but what would warrant you? But what would warrant you to have them stay? What have they would done? Have already, I would have fired them after the Denver game. And yeah. now this is just a, a replication of the Denver game. It's worse. Mm. This was yeah. a bigger win on their resume potentially, and they pissed down their leg again and embarrassed us in Detroit. This is another fireable game. Adam Hogue said it too. This is a fireable offense the way they handled the end of that game. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're not going to fire them. They have six games to play. That was their toughest game left on their schedule. Everything else, you know, that's Detroit on the road. Justin Fields off that hasn't played in 35 days coming back from an injury. Now you've got Minnesota, not an easy team, but not as hard as Detroit. Then you got Detroit at home. You got the Browns with a backup quarterback. You got the Cardinals at home Four of your last five games are at home. You got the Packers. So they have winnable games on their schedule. And, you know, as bad as, as, as embarrassing as that end of the game was, if they had won, we'd be most, mostly singing everyone's praises. Cause at the end of the day, they found a way to win the game, but because they didn't now they're on the firing line, rightfully so. But as much as we're railing against the coaches, Corey, can you do, is there any part of you? Cause I know you said Luke Getzey was calling a good game until the very end. The defense was playing very good until the very mm -hmm. end. Is there anything about you that's even remotely coming around about what they're trying to do? I think, I think defensively I've, I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised the past couple of weeks, right? I obviously didn't finish the game, but offensively, He's got to go for sure. Got to go because that's just been so inconsistent. You just got to think about this, right? If the Bears had a guy like Mike McDaniel, they had a guy like Andy Reid, they had a guy like Sean McVay or even Matt LaFleur, I think I think this offense would be flourishing. I, I just think it's like it's like when you're not getting potential out of something. That that's ex that's exactly what's happening right now. There's so much potential in this offense and Justin Fields and DJ Moore and company, but they really, they, they've had one game where they got, they, they got the truest extent of that potential. But other than that, it's been so up and down. So I, I just think if, if whatever quarterback is going to be, whether you stick with Justin Fields, whether you draft somebody, whether you bring somebody else in, you have to have an offensive guru. It, it's, it's a non-negotiable going forward. The bears have not had an offensive guru. And, you know, I think the best offense they've had, in the past 20 years was probably when Adam Gase was here. Right. Oh I think God. we can agree with that. No, I didn't, right. I didn't know I'd have to agree with that today. I mean, <laughs> you're smarter than me about this stuff, but never in a million years. Did but but I just, 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 just think about the defense, right. From, you know, the, the 85 bears, buddy. Ryan I mean, what about Mike Martz? I mean, I know he took him a minute to like figure out how he see. Now you're giving me that look, but no. Okay. I mean, cause but, they, they, they were cooking at one point. I mean, 
he cooking cook like cooking like your mom's cooking or oh Oh, my mom's getting roasted oh this is great i hope she's tuned in this is hilarious yeah like my mom's cooking i i thought they they really like we've argued about this before but the year that you guys went to the playoffs and lost uh to green bay yeah and and you guys beat the Jets at the very end of the year. I can remember Devin Hester and Johnny Knox and Earl Bennett dicing up Antonio Cromartie and Darrell Rebus at home in Chicago at the end of December. And they lit. And at that time, the Jets were at the peak of their secondary 2011. Thank you, Gary. Um, they were, they were really rolling at that point. Yes. He let go of Greg Olson. That's what everybody remembers Mike Martz for. But there was a moment where I felt like they finally got it going. But you're shaking your head, no, and I have to trust you. Even I, 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 I feel like I feel like it was decent, but not like uh, a high-powered offense, right? Like let's pump the brakes on that, right? That top top five, top ten offense. I don't think they were anywhere close to that. No, no, probably not. I mean the yeah. the Mark Tressman offense, the one year with with martellus and that canadian special and alshon jeffrey and brandon marshall that was probably the best offense i've i've probably ever seen in my in my lifetime as a bears fan yeah no there's there's a lot of talent there but i can't remember who the offensive coordinator was then for uh with tressman it's been a while i mean it was tressman's offense at the end of the day exactly but i think that's telling you, you've had a team for a long time <laughs> and you're trying to think of the best offensive, offensive you. Uh, no, you ain't lying. team. Yeah. You, it, it's hard. Like Jay, Jay Cutler, Adam Gase. That's, that's probably Aaron, Aaron Cromer was Mark Tressman's offensive coordinator. Aaron Cromer. Yep. O-line, mm-hmm. O-line coach, and then became the coordinator. Um, good, good dude. But I, I just think that's telling of the bears. You, you gotta find your offensive guru. You have to. And people say all the time, if Patrick Mahomes went to the Bears, we wouldn't have any of this problem. They would have ruined Patrick Mahomes' career. They would have. They would have. He is talented, but it took the right system for him sitting for a year, learning under Alex Smith, then them manipulating this offense to suit his strengths. And they would have ruined him here. The only person I truly think would have done well is Deshaun Watson because he was the most NFL-ready. I, th- yep. I thought he could be in any system, right? He's a proven winner from high school to college, played a lot of games. You, Trubisky w- was a project. Patrick Mahomes was a project as well. So, yeah, yeah. We, we, pe- when people talk about that, I'm like, no, he would not be who he is. Just, Mark- just like Tom Brady would not be what he was if he went anywhere besides New England. I, I really believe that. Mark- not to take anything from Tom Brady, but. No, it, it's definitely about fit and timing. There's a lot of different elements that go into um, players working out in this league. Talent obviously being a big indicator as well. Marcus Bueno in the chat. What's up, fellas? Tough loss yesterday. Glad to have met you, Corey. Win or lose, us Bears fans are in it each week. Bear down, fellas. I was with him. I was with him yesterday, man. We were ta- we were talking. Uh, we were talking some football. He said he always watches CHGO. Um, so yeah. Big big fan and um yeah we had a great time there and uh we 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 all got like a, a sword right in the heart. That's that's what it felt like watching that game. It was tough, it was tough. Um the, the thing is when loss been a lot of losses, the Chicago Bears fans are the best around Braggs. And and when I played, we had seasons where we were awful. But even that last game of the season, right, where most stadiums is empty. Bears fans support you. They boo the boo the crap out of you, but they'll be here. Right. So Chicago's got the best fans. So shout out to you guys that that are watching and and all the Bears fans around the country, the world. Y'all are some of the best, man. Yep. Even that means you're talking to me. You just gave no, me no, the, the, everybody but brags, right? Everybody but brags. All right, that's fine. Um. All right. Before we get going, I guess where you talked about bringing in this guru. Well, I, I'm sure I've brought it up on this show before, but I'll just bring it up again. Yeah. You got Michigan and Ohio State playing on Saturday. I am obsessed with the idea of Jim Harbaugh returning to the team he once played for, a guy that has a resume in the NFL, 
has a resume of winning at both the college and NFL level, understands quarterback play. Michigan, he's suspended right now, hiding out. I think he's calling plays from a helicopter or something. You played in the Big Ten. If I were to tell you that Jim Harbaugh was the next head coach of the Bears, what would you say to that? I would be excited Um, because you look at what they're going to do, right? They're either going to keep fields or they're going to draft the quarterback. Um, And that quarterback's probably going to be a mobile quarterback as well that can use his legs. Look what he did for Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick was was an MVP candidate, was a pro bowler, was, was arguably one of the best quarterbacks under Jim Harbaugh's reign. So my thing is like this. Look what he's done with J.J. McCarthy. Just continue to develop him. He's a brilliant offensive mind. He's a quarterback, so he gets it. right. He's been in NFL games. He, he knows how to run systems. Coached some really dang good quarterback, Andrew Love, too. So I would love that idea. How he'd be able to cater that offense to Justin Fields allowing him to use his legs to really script for success. So I would be on board with that. I, I really would. Um, I think he would for the right price. Uh, Bears, you got to throw him some money in there. But yeah. I, I would love to have him just well, because of I'm looking at what he did with Colin Kaepernick. And then once he left, what happened with Kaepernick? Kaepernick struggled. So right. um, I like the idea of that. Yeah, um, I, I know he – he was close to being hired by the Vikings last year. And I think a lot of it is less about, I mean, obviously he's going to get paid, but it's about how much organizational control roster input and control he has dictating what players, you know, being able to pick from his preference in the draft and in free agency and, and have a say, you know, maybe even over the GM. So I think that'd be one hurdle overcome, but I think it's a great fit. I think it's exactly what this team needs a guy with a little fire that's going to light a little fire under everybody's ass has experience is a winning football coach. I mean, everybody laughed at that assistant coach crying after the game last week, but you know, it, it was weird how much the guy was crying, but at the same time, it also showed you how much he care, cares about Jim Harbaugh. He's crying on national television <laughs> about the guy. I mean, that's the kind of uh, coach, coach I'd want my coaches to be around is somebody they care that much for. And you saw one of the players go in the post game press conference with blood dripping down his face, talking about how much he, you know, loves Jim Harbaugh. So this is the kind of, you know, this is what he, the culture he creates. You can say what you want. Yeah. He's a little crazy. Got a few screws loose, but maybe this organization needs a little crazy. Maybe this oh, organization I, needs a little bit of hard ass in them. You know, the way he talks uh, shit to, you know, the head coach to Ohio state, like, you know, he doesn't make no bones about anything. And I kind of like that a little bit. Exactly. How, how about that? That would be awesome to have him in there. Look at what San Francisco had when he was the coach, they had a dominant offensive line, right? Anthony Davis, before he retired the right tackle, they had Joe Staley at left tackle. Ayupati, Alex Boone. That was the hardest team to defend that I've ever played. Like, they were so hard to recognize exactly what they were doing. They give you so many different looks to run the football down downhill, down your throat, and then all of a sudden blow the top off the defense with a hard play action to Vernon Davis. Like, that was so hard to defend them because you knew they were going to run. You just couldn't stop it. They were going to out-physical you. And I just remember that game – Colin Kaepernick's first game on, I believe it was Monday Night Football, right? It was Monday Night Football yep. at Candlestick. And Alden Smith had six sacks on, on Gabe Karimi. Destroyed us. Justin Smith, Ahmad Brooks, um, Patrick Willis, all those guys. Uh, Navarro Bowman. Man, they had a squad there. And I just, they were a hard team to play because they were well coached. And I think Harbaugh would bring that to the table. And, uh, Man, I would love, just like I was just about to bring that up, bringing Vic Fangio back. I know he's in Miami right now. Right. Hey, Wait, could we pluck him, him from Miami? Rip, rip up that contract. We'll, we'll, right. we'll buy out that contract. Get you back. Because Vic Fangio, when he was on the Bears, San Francisco, he had that defense rocking, turnover, sacks. Remember yep. pressure? Do you remember what pressure was like? <laughs> oh. Do you remember smiling and enjoying life? I do. But, but I do that remember was, that, that would be awesome. And then speaking of pressure, seg- segueing, segueing to, to the next game, Brian Flores is going to bring that house. Right. So 
you saw it, you saw it in the first game, right? When Beijing came in and you, you're driving down the field, you know they are bringing the house. And all of a sudden, five step drop, ball gets his arm gets hit and all that. What yep. are you going to have to combat that? Are you going to do some screens? You can do some draws. You can get the ball out quick. I want to see how Luke Getzey is going to going to attack this game because he's fighting for his livelihood. Everybody right. in this team is. Well, that's Coaching what I'm saying. That just put the onus on Justin was silly to me, and also just totally putting up a facade. You, the man behind the curtain. Sorry, Matt Eberflus, you can't hide. Neither can you, Luke Getzey, especially on the primetime stage, and especially against a Minnesota team like you just said that they didn't make the proper adjustments, even and not even the proper adjustments. They didn't have the right game plan right out the gate. So now your offensive line has been playing much better than they even were five weeks ago. Everyone's getting healthier. You have an opportunity here. I mean, this is the same kind of rhetoric going into the Detroit game. Everybody's like, oh, this is make it or break it time. You know, they're going to draft a quarterback. Well, Justin flipped that narrative. And he's yep. gonna, if he can keep playing like that, he's going to continue to flip that narrative in favor of more positive narratives being, uh, you know, surrounded by Justin. And guess what? As much as we're all out on the coaches, and I certainly am, and I would have already fired them by week four of this season, they're not going to fire them. They have six games to go. You have an opportunity. It's not just an opportunity to fail and look like an idiot on Monday Night Football. You have every opportunity to right some wrongs, play good football, show Bears fans that you're capable of adjusting and capable of putting together a winning formula to win games and string some wins together. Then you have Detroit at home. That's 21 days from yesterday. You have three weeks from that game. If you can win the Minnesota game, then you play Detroit at home, have an opportunity to show that, hey, what they did at the end, now we're going to show you our adjustment back. And we're going to beat you this time and write that wrong. So, you know, as much as I've kept an open mind about Justin Fields ability to change and flip the narrative, let's give these uh, coaches that same opportunity. Sorry, man. I'm yeah, there, big guy. <laughs> I'm diet. <laughs> well, probably because I just tried to give the coaches the benefit of the doubt because I don't really believe in them, but they do. They have an opportunity to flip. Do not laugh at me, Corey. <laughs> well, I'm tr I'm trying to finish my sentence. Then I'm trying to mute before I start hacking up a lung. But no, I, I do believe that. They they come out and dominate the next two weeks, then their narrative gets flipped. And then Bears fans and us here coming on this show will start looking at some of the positives here going forward and the potential of these guys, uh, you know, doing something special here at some point in their tenure as the bears coaches. I'm, I think it's a long shot, but then again, if you had asked me three weeks ago, if I thought Justin Fields would be the quarterback here last year, next year, I would have said that was a long shot and that's proving out to, you know, look like it could go the other way. So anything is possible. Um, yes, I did have a hairball. So that's it here for tonight. Did you say anything? Anything is possible? Anything. Oh, I, that's why I thought you were chugging before. I know it's Jack. Yeah, maybe I needed to chug some Jack, and then I wouldn't have almost choked to death here at the end of Bears After Dark. Uh, but thank you, Corey, as always, for everything you do and all the insight you bring here to Bears After Dark. Thank you to Adam Hogue uh, for jumping in, gracing us with his <laughs> Hollywood presence and his astute football mind and elevating this program here tonight. Thanks to everybody in the chat for hanging out. Please hit that like button on your way out. Subscribe if you haven't already. We appreciate you tuning in. Thank you, Dan Sharp and everybody else. Gary Ross. Matt Can you just apologize Gregory. to your mom before we get out? Because um, you, re you really disrespected her. It's bad day. You said your cooking was bad? Oh, bro, come on. All right, I'm going to do this. <laughs> mom, I want to apologize to you for making you cook worthless Thanksgiving food for the last 38 years of my life. That's what I want to apologize for. That's it. That's all I got. Wow, dude. <laughs> You're in the doghouse. Mama Barbara, at least the hounds on this guy, right? <laughs> those bricklayers, man. I'll tell you, those former bricklayers, man. Ungrateful bricklayers. Uh, 
Yep. So, all right, guys, we'll uh, talk to you here soon. Corey, thanks again. We'll see you here. Well, next Monday night, the bears play on Monday night. So we'll just have to see here how the schedule adjusts and uh, we'll talk to you here soon. And hopefully we're eventually talking about better times ahead uh, for the Chicago bears and, and seeing this journey for Justin Fields and seeing where it goes from here. So thanks again for everybody tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Bear down. Silly like the mayor.